Hello and welcome to Riding Unicorns, the podcast that celebrates high growth businesses and the people behind them. Today we have Vlad Tropko. Vlad is the Managing Director of Digital Horizon VC. Vlad has invested in companies such as Zipline, Kuva and Be Next. Welcome along Vlad, thanks very much for coming on. James, hi and, uh, and pleasure to be here. So please can you give us a background on yourself and what you do now? Thank you, James. So I was born at Siberia, growing in Moscow and now investing out of London. So last 15 years, I'm investing from family offices and several funds. During last 10 years, I'm investing in high tech. I already have $2 billion exits in my portfolio from Zipline and from Quantana, both in the U.S. And now I'm working with Digital Horizon, where early stage VC fund focused on fintech and B2B software. So we are working and, and focusing on immigrants, founders. So we, we love immigrants because they know how to do things. We established this fund around two years ago. From that time, we invested in 12 companies already. We have three companies in the UK and the rest are between in Europe and Israel. So you said you invest in immigrant founders. So what's the most important thing about that founder profile that you think makes these companies interesting? I think, first of all, we, we love to invest in immigrants who came to the particular country a couple of years ago. We believe that they need to have a, some, some sort of passion about the things which they are doing, and they have to look in quite deep into the things which they are doing. I would say that we are trying to avoid solo founders, but we're not uh, declining only because it's solo founder. And uh, in most cases, we love the teams which consist, you know, some sort of gray hair person and quite young entrepreneurs because they have a, some sort of mix of skills which needed for successful companies. Yeah, absolutely. What's the most important thing you look for in a potential investee company besides team? So in addition to team, we're looking on the size of the market. It's, it should be quite large. So something from more than half a billion we, we, we love teams who are ready to build the company, not, not for a local market, but for a global market. But again, if the lo- even local market, like in Cuba case, is large enough, we were ready to invest. So also, definitely, we were looking at the product market fit and attraction. We, are, I would say, we are late stage investor. Uh, I mean, we invest in late part of seed. And, and round A, so when there is uh, some revenue in the company, so we are we're not uh, linked to any kind of technology breakthrough or, uh, or any kind of problems with the MVP building. We're trying to find founders who already sell their product a couple of times. And traction should show us that they know how to sell to their customers and they know how to, how to grow it quite effectively. So yeah. in, that's, that's, I would say, the, the three, three major points. Of course, we're looking into the cap table and uh, several times we see that the, the founders even on, on stage of A round has a less than 50% in the share capital. And in most cases, it's red flag for us. Yeah. And you're a very active investor, so you must get pitched a lot. And what, what's the number one thing you'd say founders get wrong when they're pitching an investor like yourself? It's a really good question. It could be that they don't have enough experience. So a lot of entrepreneurs say that they don't have any competition and it's uh, one of the red flags for me. Another point is when, when people asking me to sign an NDA without showing me anything, 
it's also a red flag. And of course, we were looking on, into the team dynamics. So sometimes two co-founders come to, uh, to knock our door and show that the CEO is not real CEO and they could uh, fight over the power in, inside of the company later on. And we see it's, uh, it's a significant problem in, uh, in the company. We see that around 60% of failed uh, startups on seed around A stage failed because of some sort of fight or mental problems between founders. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier, total addressable market is an important factor. What is a large total addressable market in your books? So the uh, market which, uh, which are larger than half a billion US dollars. Sometimes when we see that the market is just arriving, so in, uh, I don't know, electric cars uh, five or seven years ago, the market was much more smaller than, than in nowadays, even if it's still small. Or when Salesforce arrived, uh, all CRMs was in Excel and in paper. So in, uh, nobody cares about uh, software in, in the cloud. So in, in, in those cases, we're ready to smaller markets, but uh, we have to understand that it has a unique value proposition and they could have some sort of monopoly on the market. The, a couple of times in my life, I saw such a monopolies in a cloud space. So in a particular vertical, when the whole market was, I don't know, a couple of hundreds and more than 100 million in US dollar revenue was owned by just one company. And uh, in the end of the day, in a, such a, I would say, mid-sized uh, markets, when you are the winner and you can grow into other uh, areas, it could be a very interesting opportunity, I would say. So which company or companies are you invested in that you're most excited about? And can you explain a little bit about why you invested in them and why you are so bullish about the, the outcome potential for that company? So I, I would mention two companies. First is a company in which I invested, I, I think, seven years ago. It, it was a Zipline. I'm passionate about them because it's uh, the company which saves lives. So they started their activity at, at, at Africa and now go back to U.S. because it's a Silicon Valley-based company. And now during the COVID time, they're bringing pharmacy across U.S. to the door of particular farmer or home in the rural areas. They started at Africa where there is a lack of infrastructure and the drone could come in, in 30 minutes and bring blood and save lives uh, instead of using the car and it will take you, I don't know, a couple of hours. So another company is from my VC, from Digital Horizon portfolio. It's a Kuva, uh, motor insurance broker. Kuva is providing uh, by miles insurance policies. They are changing habits of people in, in UK. I like what they're doing right now because in the, during the COVID time, when most of the people in, in, in current recession, they don't have uh, money to pay for a one yearly contract or car insurance. And, and Kuva helped this with the flexible insurance. It's helped people and make uh, and change habits of people. That's why I'm, I am I'm passionate about them. Our first ever sponsor is Deck Dolphin. I included them in a LinkedIn post titled Eight Things to Try If You're Struggling to Raise Money for Your Startup and they got in touch. So if you are a founder and you're fundraising, submit your deck at deckdolphin.com and get actionable, friendly feedback to improve your deck and improve your chances of investment. Use discount code UNICORN10 for 10% off. 
back to the episode. What's the biggest challenge for companies that you invest in going from scale up to established business? What What's the biggest challenge you see from the moment you invest to a successful outcome? So I would say, first of all, it's hiring to hire good and talented people and uh, which could have a cultural fit. It's a big, it's a big challenge in nowadays. Probably recession will, will help this for some startups. And I think that right now it's a great time to build uh, something new because you will see a lot of qualified people change the work or they have to change the work. So, and, uh, and it's not because of them, because they're bad. It's, it's because the, the market changed a little bit. So, and uh, it means that in the following couple of years, what we will see that the, the size of the rounds could, could drop and the salaries could drop. But in five, seven years, we will see a huge number of unicorns and uh, companies who were born during this kind of crisis. You've invested in a lot of fintech and insurtech. What's your opinion of open banking and how it's changed the possibilities within the sector? Speaking about European market, it's, it's uh, changed dramatically the landscape of the current status. So and it looks like most high street banks and, and, and largest banks around Europe will have uh, significant problems with uh, later on with the fintechs because they will drive their commission down and uh, eat uh, some piece of cake from one side. I would say that in insurtech space, there is a still lack of innovation, but it's quite standard. Fortunately or unfortunately, insurtech are always a little bit later than the bank tech. More and more insurtech comes on the market and try to disrupt the uh, current status. I think uh, if we're speaking about open banking itself, we will see a couple of new big companies which will come in during a couple of years, I would say. They would be in different sectors of the fintech. It could be trading, wealth management, or, or banking itself. But some sort of democratization of starting the company. A couple of years ago, uh, it was uh, to start just a software company. You just need a, a couple of millions. Now you can, you, you can start it in a... Uh, and having, I don't know, tens of thousand K in your pocket. We are seeing right now is a similar stuff in the, in the fintech as well. Uh, before to start a fintech, you need to uh, invest a lot of capital into the capital requirements, receive a license, blah, 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 blah. So, and uh, yeah, to, just to start, you need, I don't know, five to seven million bucks. And in nowadays, you can start and try some open banking uh, structures. So it's significantly increased the number of startups which would, so it's democratized the access to, to some services for, for consumers. How many deals do you do on average per year? Last year we've done eight. Uh, this year we're targeting from eight to ten. We already made uh, six. So I think uh, we will do this kind of number this year. During the COVID we've closed four deals. Some of them were fully digital way, so we've never meet uh, founders in person. But in any case, we will see the outcome in six or uh, eight years. Yeah. And do you generally lead the round and do you take up the whole round or do you co-invest? Uh, I would say that we are mostly co-invest. From time to time, we, uh, we, we lead rounds, but mostly we co-invest with, uh, with some leaders. Right. 
where can people find you if they want to get in touch regarding Digital Horizon VC? What's the best way for them to get in touch? I think uh, there, are, there are two ways. Uh, first, the ping me through the LinkedIn. Uh, I'm quite open and in, in reviewing it each, each day. From another way, they could s- send their pitch through the email info digitalhorizon.vc. I, I, I would appreciate to, to see more and more interesting companies. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on and do get in touch with Vlad if you've got an exciting business. Thank you. Thank you very much, James, for having me here. It was really great spending time with Vlad. He's one of the top early stage investors in the UK. So really interesting insight from him. I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast. Please do like, comment, subscribe. The next episode will be with Jeff Kaliski, CEO of Cedars. And we'll be discussing secondary markets, crowdfunding and liquidity within early stage investing, which is a really positive trend for the sector. So catch us next time on Riding Unicorns. Bye bye.